Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, no, no. So a few of their contemporaries are saying, like, are you experienced as a shitty sounding record in terms of the bass and the drums? Like Hendrix sounds amazing, but you look, go back and listen to Are You Experienced? The drums sound like they're tin cans turned upside down. Like Sergeant Pepper sounds amazing. That's the one. Like, I'm sorry. Have you listened? No, no, no. no, Wait, wait. The stones between the buttons. Go listen to that. It sounds Uh like Uh shit. That sounds terrible. We're not there yet. That's way too but it's also early to playing. make that criticism. It's also the playing. These guys can't play. And Hendrix could play. Like, there's a big difference. I think these guys sound, I think they could play just fine enough for two minutes. Like, that guitar <laughs> player on I Need You is killing it. And if you had to do anything else, he would definitely fall down a flight of stairs. But he's right. got just enough. 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. Simons, is it early for you? What's it? 9 a.m.? It's, yeah, it's early-ish for a Saturday. I would say it's not a fine Saturday afternoon quite yet, but it is beautiful. One of those January mornings that's like an October morning back east. I mean, it's oh, just Ben and I are a bit fabulous. jealous. Uh, Touch football weather. We've got, uh, we've got snow on the ground that's kind of melted, but now it's icy. What do you got, Ben Barton? I got sunny and very cold here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Oh, the weather. Have you got like that boppity, boppity, boppity ice in front of your houses that you have to like do the like the the careful walk to get to cars and stuff? Yeah, I've got a a sloping driveway. So it's like rivulet after rivulet after rivulet. Okay. Good times. Good times. Um, Gentlemen, let's let's talk turkey. It's it's now January of 2022. (laughs) We started this thing. Uh, when COVID began, I don't know, 17 years ago. Um, I'm curious because I, I feel like education is a particularly stressful area during a pandemic. How do you guys handle stress? How are you handling COVID fatigue? And, and what's interesting is, you know, my spouse is in education, so there's no real refuge there. Jeff, your spouse is a teacher, and and Ben, your spouse is a mayor. So. Mayor, so. yeah. So at least she's got a super chill, easy job. Yeah, yeah it's just been nothing but hosannas and gravy for her yeah. since the day she was sworn in. 
So what do you guys do as, as a person, I... as a couple, as a family? What What is your key place to go, thing to do to get rid of stress? Uh, I've been working more. I've been just, I've just been working. I've been feeling if I just keep working until it's over, I won't have to face, uh, I won't have to face it. No existential dread. No, I I don't know. I mean, I I don't have a thing, but, uh, you you do so you do. So you have two things, you exercise and you go to therapy. Well, I do both those, but those things were were survival pre COVID. I didn't add them. (laughs) Right. <laughs> uh, I would say I watch I watch every Golden State Warriors game, even when uh, half the team is injured and we're playing the Pistons. So that I tape them. The kids go to bed. It's just me and the game. And sometimes Sue, sometimes B. That's been great. And I'm actually finding joy in the weekend uh, B sporting activities. B is playing flag football. Let's go! It is All right. it is hilarious. That's, I mean, it is so great. funny. And it's like, remember that magnetic football? Well, you yeah, turn sure. It on, it was like, gah, 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 gah. Yeah. That's, imagine humans <laughs> doing that. And you basically have flag football. Wait, how old is she now? How old is B? She's, a, she's nine. She's, so she's nine. A She'll flag be 10 football. soon. That sounds yeah. fun. All right. And we, uh, bought, but, we, bought, uh, we bought tights for today. Like, this is the level of flag football concern. Like, I was like, how'd you like? She's like, well, the flags are very itchy on my thighs because my shorts aren't long enough and then I can feel them. So we bought Under Armour, like high performance tights. Let's go. So, the, so the flags won't be itchy. So oh, I'm, and also for running. I mean, you know, oh, you got to cut down the wind shear for sure. That's exactly right. Because <laughs> be at full flight, you get up to like five miles an hour. That's quite a thing. So th- that's been my, that's been me. That's good. That's good. Ben Barton. Timmy, this has been on my mind because oh. of dry you Dry you so one right. of the things that they teach you is if you're going to get rid of one habit, you have to replace it. You can't just be like, I'm going to stop doing this habit. I'm okay. immediately nervous about where we're headed. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so when I come home, typically after work, one of my one of the reasons why I enjoy an evening glass of wine is it's a clear demarcation between work and home. Great. And okay. um I, 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 in the past, I used to have a couple of glasses of wine and then write work emails and I learned not to do that. So okay, good. Now yeah. I come home, have a glass of wine and that's it. I'm done. I'm not doing any work after that. Um, and so that's, that actually is a pretty likable thing, but yeah, Timmy, you don't have to have alcohol to do that, my friend. So What's I replaced it. I come in and I play relaxing piano music. And by the way, this is hilarious. So uh, usually I just play on, stu- on my iTunes on my phone, but because I don't have any relaxing piano music on my phone, uh-huh. I've gone to Spotify. So my Spotify rap next year is going to be like nothing but the weirdest <laughs> slow piano stuff. In particular, hell? I can strongly recommend the German composer Nils Fromm. Okay. Very relaxing. I'm worried for you. I put on the Nils Fromm and shuffle, and then I have chamomile tea with honey and lemon, and I sit in quiet reflection. Okay. Quiet reflection until I finish my glass of tea, which takes seven or eight minutes. And by the way, India left for this week. We got this new puppy who's barely trained. So quiet, quiet reflection. <laughs> and the dog say. barking at me and attacking me. Like, I hate you. Get up and walk me. <laughs> Very relaxed. He, he does not like tea. tea. <laughs> You know what's going to happen is that soothing, relaxing piano music is going to become some kind of like Westworld trigger for you. Like it's going to come on. (laughs) Ben, did we name the puppy? 
Yeah, puppy's name is Romeo. Okay. I like he's a heartbreaker. That. He actually, he legitimately is a, a heartbreaker. Okay. He's breaking he's breaking your heart and will to live. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, this is, I, I feel like January's gone on for a very long time already. And, you know, our, yeah, students, man. our students are so sick of masks. Um, and you know, right well, now, did you just, but you just started wearing them like a week ago in North Carolina, right? No, that's not true. We've been wearing them for two <laughs> years here at uh, Asheville school. And it's just, it's, it's tough. It's exhausting. And, um, and you know, some of them are, are getting uh, positive tests and they're thinking, okay, 10 days in a separate, separate housing situation. I can do deal with that. Dude, that's there. That's the old argument that jails have to be tough because they have to make sure that jail is a worse option than home. So people don't choose it. So you got to make sure that that quarantine is like the hole in Scientology. Right. Like they got to be ants and like cold water. Dude, you have previously presented yourself as a good teacher and a decent human. I'm very <laughs> concerned by this, this turn. I recommend these things for his school. Yeah, right. <laughs> Go. Oh, did you get you got a positive case to the ant hole? Let's go. That's what I'm no, saying. No, 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 dude, it's just straight up Shawshank, man. Yeah, just yeah. in the dark, yeah. solitary yeah. confinement. Another month. <laughs> Give him another month. Oh, so funny. All right. Well, let's speaking of education. Um, let's go, Jeff Simons, to the Grammy winning album for 1990. Oh, and by the way, yes. nice segue. I know this one off the top of my head. Oh, good. I freaking love this record. Yeah, I mean, Grammy. Grammys are hot. It's the Grammy winner. The Miseducation of Lauren Hill by Lauren Hill. It's funny how money changes situation. Miscommunication lead to complication. My emancipation don't fit your equation. I was on the humble you on every station. Someone play young Lauren like she done. But remember not to game the one of the sun. Everything you did has already been done. I know all the tricks from bricks to kingstown. My ting done major king done one wrong. Now understand El Boogie, not violent. But if a thing tests me, run to me, can Can't take a threat to me, new one. L been this way since creation A groupie call you far from temptation Now you want ball over separation Tarnish my image in the conversation Who you gon' scrimmage like you the champion You might win some but you just lost one You might win some but you just lost one You might win some but you just lost one You might win some but you just lost one Is that your favorite song Jeff? That's your favorite song on the record? Uh, I don't know. There's so many. I I really love this one. What's your favorite? I mean, band? I really. Oh, do up that thing. Oh yeah, I, mean, I know, but I didn't just put it. I didn't play that one because it's the one everybody everybody knows. I like to pull like the second best. Do up. No, that's great. No, 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 dude, you're good. You're good. Did we talk about Lauren Hill last season? We, I feel we like did it came up because of the sample on the Kanye West song. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And in particular, we covered the the unplugged thing, which is like right, where you end up after this. The other this, thing, this I, record though. Oh, it's so great! And I will say that it, it, I have this really indelible memory. Uh, kids listening, there used to be these things called record stores where you could go and actually just buy music exclusively. What? It's pretty neat, and they had all the music, and you could just rifle through. But I remember Tower Records when this came out had a um, a big display like the in the front. And included a life-size cutout of Lauren Hill, like in pose next to this the CD rack. Right. And it you know like 
they do that life-size posting all the time, but she's so tiny. Like I was stood next to it. And I was like, this powerful, crazy record comes from a woman that's like five, one at yeah. most. I mean, it was just, I don't know why it struck me. Like, and I, maybe because I'm always smaller than the life-size cutout of people. Cause you know, <laughs> I'm five, six. And I, so I'm always looking up at everything, but Lauren Hill, I was just trying, like, this is such a just monstrously, exciting powerful fun thoughtful record and the fact that it came from that just itty bitty package has never left me every time i hear this record i think of think that of little that, cutout that cardboard cutout. records of lauren hill uh, so. was she was she in the fujis she was yeah totally and the, i guess the score comes out the year before yep. yeah okay. it's a big fujis guy um but it was weird the fujis were a little bit um first of all they were a zillion times better but they were similarly situated to the black eyed peas where yes. like there's a female uh. member and the female member didn't seem to be that useful but then it turns out that the female member is the most useful yeah, yeah. You know what i mean like uh when this when when they, when they decided to do solo records i was like huh you know like i was totally open-minded to checking out her solo record um but was just blown away like i couldn't believe how good it was right i agree really and cool. i i saw um wyclef in concert the same year that this record came out. And the difference between this record and Wyclef Live was hilarious. It was my first know. real like underground hip hop show. Not that I've been to like a hundred, but my friend, uh, my friend Mark took me and uh, we're in this kind of crummy place. And the Wyclef show was basically telling the audience they weren't good enough for him for an hour. Like just put your hands up, jump up and down. You're not loud enough. You're not soft enough. You're not singing along enough. It was hysterical. He was, it was like, it was like paying to watch a drill sergeant work you out. You're being and scolded. Then he played, and he played Gone in November really badly and out of tune and people booed and he gave him oh, the finger. No. And that was, that was the end of the show. It was hilarious. It was like Ben's uh, REM concert. You know? <laughs> so like, so this record by comparison was, was, uh, I Ben said it perfectly. Like she went from like, oh, okay, to oh, that's the whole. That's the reason there's a Fuji's. So well, I love what you said about uh, you know, to our younger audience, there used to be record stores. The uh, I saw a tweet the other day, a guy trying to explain to his daughter interoffice mail because she had found one of those old envelopes. You know where the names are crossed out. Oh, we still have those. Oh, yeah. we still got those at the Stop law school. Stop it! Man. Do you okay, really? Wait. wait, wait. I, speaking of what? explaining things in antiquity, do you know what I had to explain in class yesterday because oh, of a no. book I'm teaching? Uh-oh. 1-900 numbers. The guy calls a 1-900 sex line in a book and they're like, who did he call? Did he call like a random number and just uh, ask them to be dirty? I had uh, to explain what 1-900 hot love is. They were like, wait, and you paid by the minute? And then some kid was like, well, that would mean, and then it just turned purple. <laughs> he was thinking of the economics of why you call a sex line and then it's by the minute and how much pressure that might put on a human being. <laughs> and it all happened to him like live in front of 20 uh, classmates. That's oh, it awesome. Was great, it, was, it was awesome. Good moment. Good moment. All right. Uh, well, this week we had uh, a sad moment with the passing of Meatloaf. And I think we should give him his due by starting Paradise at the Dashboard Lights at the six minute, 50 this second This is like the mark. third time you've made us play this dumb song, Timmy. You're just brutal. <laughs> I really, really brutal. am. We never, is, I'm an 
protest of this. We I never totally played this to. part. First of all, I thought I assumed you were going to ask me to apologize to Jim Steinman and his family. Only but now I decline to. Now I decline to. You've put me in a position to fail, and I'm just going to go ahead and say I'm stupid. <laughs> Are you going to make us listen? Is this the stupid baseball? Yeah. No, it is not. It's past that part. All right. Here we go. I think I need the power to mute your videos so I don't have to see your sourpuss faces when we are worst, trying to pay tribute. The worst tribute. news to me is how catchy that stupid song is. I hate that. No, I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning. And I, I know. That thing that pisses me but off. Seriously, too. like I'm going to sit down and be like, I couldn't take it any longer. Good Lord. I was crazed. <laughs> I'm going to start pooping. It's going to happen. Just put it in ink. That I'm going to schedule that for tomorrow morning. It's going to be great. It's really like the Rocky Horror Meatloaf show. Every time you make me play that. <laughs> I think Tim Curry and Meatloaf should be fused together into some kind of Frankensteinian now you're enti- talking. entity, right. and then they could just sing show tunes, and you won't need anything else in your collection. <laughs> All right. In 1998, let's get to what was happening. Uh, two airports opened, the Kuala Lumpur International Airport and the Hong Kong International Airport. Um, ben, if you had your druthers, which one would you like to fly into more? Oh, right now? Sure. I'm going to go to Hong Kong. All right. Jeff, where are you going to go? Uh, I guess I'll go with Ben to Hong Kong because I'm alone in either city. I'd probably be sold for parts in about 45 minutes. <laughs> All right. I will go to Kuala Lumpur because I... Oh, why? I always want to see Malaysia. A podcast trip. <laughs> Um, all right. Google is founded in 1998. Um, they're the embassy them. bombings in Tanzania and Kenya. You've also got the burial of Nicholas II and his family. Uh, 80 years after they're killed, they're finally buried in St. Catherine's. Um, how, how many family members did Nicholas II have? Anyone know? This is the czar. Yes, this is the czar. The bullshit. And these are the family members needing burying in that 80 years later. Right. They got they got reburied. I'm going to guess it's like over 100 because it made the news. That's just going to be my guess. Wait, over 100 family members? No, I think it's like four. Well, then why are you asking the question? (laughs) I thought you might know something. I mean, like, how many family members were reburied 80 years later of the family of Zara Nicholas? If the answer is not interesting, if the answer is four. He doesn't even know the answer. I mean, he was I, like, I was hoping you might yeah, know. Yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't a setup for a discussion. That was like, I just I, read that. And I was like, oh, I wonder how many family members he had. Um, but good on Russia. To kind of <laughs> look, look past uh the, the grudges of, of 
80 years ago and, and let the guy be buried. We will surely have the same reaction eventually to the brave patriots of January 6th who received a proper state burial 80 years from now. Okay. And good, good on us in advance. Okay. <laughs> Sadly, it'll not be 80 years. Uh, no, we'll see. In Russia, there was an incident on an Akula class submarine where Alexander Kuzminkic, um, was being punished. He escaped his punishment, killed a guard with a chisel, stole. Oh, my goodness. Stole the guards guards AK-47 on the submarine, (coughs) kills five sailors, takes two other hostages in the torpedo room, kills them and then threatens to light all the torpedoes on fire, which would eventually uh, destroy the nuclear reactor and cause what they thought would be a second Chernobyl. They had to bring his mother in to the sub to try and convince him otherwise. And it begs the question, does it not? What is your favorite submarine movie of uh, all time? Uh, and I, gonna... I thought you were going to ask us, what was your worst day at work? <laughs> Did you chisel a, a co-worker to death? And then steal a gun from them? Oh, well, then your worst day was way better than this guy's worst day. Or I was hoping you would go with, what was that guy's yeah. evaluation like? At the exactly. End of that, that trip. You know, they, in, the, in the Russian needs, needs Navy, improvement. they do a 360-degree evaluation. Everyone gets a word in yeah. on it. What do you yeah. think they had to say to the guy? Well, oh and, God. And, and it's going to inner office mail. On the uh, submarine, on the, in, the, in, the, in those big, uh, in those yeah. big metal uh, Manila envelopes, right? Like, all right. Oh, I God. never Hunter saw October. I'm, I, wait, wait. I never Hunter saw Tom Hanks' Hanks's Greyhound. Um, but what I want you to do is is rank these four submarine movies. Wait, my, I have one. I have an answer though. My answer is The Abyss, and it's not even close. I I and actually there's... considered that and removed it because uh, it's not a war submarine. Sorry. Uh, das Boot. It's also, it's not, it's not really a submarine movie. They it's are a, they it's underwater? A, it's a submersible movie. Well, I mean, is Titanic a submarine movie? Just because there's a, a, a submarine in it doesn't mean it's a submarine movie. They're in like little pods and stuff, and they're exploring. It's a good movie, though. <laughs> it is good. All right, Timmy. Sorry, we've derailed <laughs> you again. <laughs> Four movies. War movies. Submarine. You're gonna say Titanic? A submarine because it went under. Um... Das Boots, <laughs> Crimson Tide, U571, and The Hunt for Red October. Rank them. Go. What happens in U571? Who's that one? Have I seen oh, that? a dreamy Matthew McConaughey. Um, oh, I've yeah, seen okay, that okay, one. Okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Oh, Das Boot is number one. I really love that movie. I actually saw it in the original, not English. Oh, and, wow. Uh, I, thought it was, I thought it was fabulous. So that's number one. And then all the other ones are tied for second. I, don't, I mean, they're all fine. Except for Matthew McConaughey, which I'll put fourth because I probably was like, all right, all right, all right. Let's let's make this submarine go forward. And skipped it. <laughs> I have Crimson Tide and Hunt for Red October above Dust Boot. How come? Oh, interesting. They're has awesome. It, I mean, is it, this is more entertaining? Was, yeah. Well, was Sean Connery and Dust Boot? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> no. Denzel Washington's a Crimson Tide, right? Yeah. 
Like there's like Joss Boot. I started. No, Joss Boot is a bunch of faceless guys looking up at the right. top of the sub as it as it's about to blow up. Yeah, that's right. pretty and much it. Yeah, and they're like, oh, it's going to be like they're like it'll be sad if it, if it dies. I'm like, you're fucking Nazis. Who cares? Like, move on. Okay. <laughs> it is fun to say Das Boot, though. You got you with it me. is. Uh, fun to say it. All right. I wonder if Matthew McConaughey drove that submarine like he drives a Lincoln. Don't you think he did though? Like the smooth through the water. Um, let's go ahead. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The number one selling album of 1998. It's the number one album. The Titanic soundtrack. Go on. I'll get the next one. No, not without you. I'll be all right. Listen, I'll be fine. I'm a survivor, all right? Don't worry about me. Now go on. Get on. So, wow. Wow. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for Spotify because when I looked up the Titanic soundtrack, it was like, would you like the original or the four disc 57 song five hour collector's edition of the Titanic soundtrack. And of course I was like, yes, I do. Because I just played you, my heart will go on special edition dialogue mix, including including epic Titanic film dialogue. Oh boy. That. You gotta love a soundtrack that's longer than the long movie. I know. Really good side. It's so fabulous. um, Oh my God. The thing that you don't do with that movie is you don't go to it on a first date like I did in Las Vegas um, because it was very, very meaningful for my date. It was very intense for her. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. You know what's so funny? I remember I've seen it once. I saw it in the theater uh-huh. along with everybody else in the world. And I remember like an hour in, I was like, but the boat's going down. Like, I just, I never got caught up in it. I was like, we all Spoiler. know what's going to happen. Right. And I remember, I remember honestly turning to my buddy when I, when the guy went, iceberg, get ahead. I turned up, I was like, finally. <laughs> I was just like, I am here to watch the big fake boat crack apart and go into the ocean. Ben Barton, you disagree. I'm a cynical, awful really? person. And I felt nothing and I feel nothing. And I hear that dialogue and I'm like, oh, that's why I felt nothing. Yeah. Well, there is oh, a. I, first of all, I like. I just can't believe it. You're 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 breaking my warm beating heart with your evil frozen chisel heart. Yes, you're just like attacking I, me. I, I don't First of all, you need to work on your sense. I do. Side. There's yeah. no set. There's and no doubt about it. Second, has have you has B watched it yet? No. Okay, dude. I'm just telling you when B you have daughters. 
She is not going to watch it. Yeah. Okay. You, this, this, you're, this <laughs> is going to be like one hurt. of those ones that's on a banned list. Man, She's going to see People get this. hurt. You don't understand. We had to turn off Paddington after 45 <laughs> seconds because of the illusion of a lost parent. And she sobbed in my lap for 20 minutes. Like, why do movies have to be so sad? Titanic oh. would like rip her soul open. There's I understand. No but first of all, there is a chance that she's going to grow up. I'm just going to give you a hint. Um, I hope so, actually. And then second, she's going to watch Titanic. It's in the canon for sure. And I can just say, first of all, I really liked it at the time. You could ask any of canon. I squeaked out a tear. I was sad when my guy froze to death. <laughs> uh, but completely aside from that, watching it with your daughters is just like, like revelatory. I really get it. I actually get why it's so popular and why people love it so much. Okay. Uh -huh. There you go. My flinty little heart will have to live alone in the dark watching <laughs> Just Boat. I love um, <laughs> rooting for the Nazis. That's right. Well, I love it. It's World War I, One, right? Isn't it the World War One? Yeah, fuck these guys on the Titanic, but I hope these Nazis make it. You're right. <laughs> I painted myself into a very difficult corner. I acknowledge fully. B's, uh, B's take on sadness is great. I have a, a colleague who's, whose wife is just kind of done with um certain movies and like they can't watch movies and he's like well what do you want to watch she's like she's like i just want something without tension i want something without uh, conflict i just want something and he's like it's kind of the basis of a plot is to have some sort of conflict she's like no i'm you know what i got plots. for her <laughs> i've got relaxing piano music that's what she really wants <laughs> Neil can introduce the magic of Neil's Frome to her. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got to get to our newest segment uh, before we get to our three albums. Our newest segment is called Today in Tort Law. Oh! Serving it up. I'm going to mute myself anyways. I'm going to make Jeff answer these. So let's see. Who comes up with the correct answer first <laughs> in today in tort law? In 1998, there was a landmark case that was settled for $206 billion in the first 25 years. What was that case? RJR Reynolds against the United States for um, cigarette stuff. Do we accept that answer, Ben? Am I am I right? Yeah. Sure, that sounds good. It's big tobacco. Uh, nice. Where they have to pay money like in perpetuity uh, to, to pay off all the medical expenses. But yeah, $206 billion just for the first 25 years. Um, ben Barton, did they get off easy? Yeah, that was a discount. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because... but that's fair. But that's fair. I mean, like the, yeah. one of the things that's hard about these sort of mass tort things is that if you don't settle it and pay everybody out, then the first, you know, the first hundred thousand people in line get all the money. Um, yeah. So you kind of like it, it's a really challenging problem to know what to do with these things. I got my information on the tobacco lawsuit from the American Museum of Tort Law. Yes. Do you know about this museum, Ben Barton? I do. I have not been there. I think it's in Connecticut. And I know it, I'm pretty sure it's a Ralph Nader project. So it it's actually is. a little bit slanted. It's um, in Winstead, Connecticut, Ralph Nader's hometown. Uh, Jeff Simons, what are some big tort law cases at uh, this now, museum? 
Now you, well, it's going to be um, the unsafe at any speed lawsuit that Nader did for sure, right? Is that I don't know that one. Oh. Well, the what Ford was the, Pinto lawsuit? The Ford Pinto sure. lawsuit. That's it, that's yeah. the unsafe at any speed car. Now, there, that, I think that was GM that was unsafe at any speed. Oh, was it? Well, it's yeah, the one where right. no, it's the Ford Fairlane, right? Where when it backed into things, it burst into flames. No, no, that, that was the Pinto. That's, that's the, the Pinto. Pinto. But you okay. have it. That, that's an unfair characterization of what happened. I was impacted. Into the, that was like the movie <laughs> Top Secret with the German. Yeah, that's right. that's what I thought it was. <laughs> it is. Um, that actually is a Pinto in Top Secret, but that's not how the Pinto works. The American. <laughs> I'm here to defend Big Pinto. The American Museum of Tort Law has a gift shop where I am going to purchase you a shirt, Ben. Uh, that has a flaming Ford Pinto on it. That's uh, fantastic. That's, that's in the gift shop. That's really great, actually. Is the museum in his backyard? Is it just Ralph Nader's shed where he has stuff <laughs> that he's proud of and you can pay $3? So. So it's a building. It's a building. Okay. Uh, all right, Ben, what's your question? Oh, just that you should look up intentional infliction of emotional distress so you can know about the pain that you're giving me <laughs> <laughs> with these games. Hey, have you guys ever been to the cigarette factory in Richmond, Virginia and watched them make cigarettes? Is it a museum Mm -mm. or just the factory? Well, you used to be able to take a tour. It used to be like one of those great 70s tours where you're like dangerously close to the stuff like the old Kellogg's tour used to be where you're on the factory floor wearing a hairnet like five feet away from the big machine. Like you could go down on the cigarette floor and just watch them making like like hundreds and thousands of cigarettes a day. It was really started. My mom was a big smoker. I was going to so say, we your went, mom take you there. We, dude, we, I mean, why do you take an, an eight-year-old to the cigarette factory as a trip unless there's something deeply wrong with you? And but what was wrong with my mom is like being close to the source was a little bit of a thrill, I think. Yeah, well, I'm sure. And that gift shop? Discounts, yeah. Nothing, that, no, nothing. Nothing costs. You can take home a carton. Oh. Courtesy of the museum. It was the most disgusting, like, it was free to get in and it was free to get out. And you did not leave empty handed if you didn't uh, want to. So, hey, is the Coca-Cola Museum in Atlanta the modern example of this? Probably. Oh, maybe right? so. I mean, it's world. First of all, it's fantastic. Yeah. I strongly recommend it. It's uh-huh. really, really fun. At the end of it, they take you to a room where there's just free spigots <laughs> of soda. <laughs> And they have soda from around the world. They have an Asia area, then they have yeah. a Europe area, and you can taste really disgusting sodas. But also, I mean, it's just like, like um, it, it's one of those things where you like bring little kids, and you're oh, like, sure. it's going to be really fun. At the end, you can drink all the soda you want. And they just drink it. It's just, just like, they're just so miserable, like all brokenhearted. Like, like their little tears are mixing with the, the, the sugary that they're pouring down their gullets. <laughs> you know what else is like that in a weird way is the Ben and Jerry's tour. Because there's the all-you-can-eat ice cream room at the end. Yeah. Oh, and after awesome. like after you eat like more ice cream than you want and you're only at flavor four, yeah. like you just like, well, I'm here. I might as well. Like so flavor 11 is like this Batan death march through oh, the flavors. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Law of diminishing returns. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Our three albums. <laughs> Our three albums. Ben's first. Yeah, I believe definitely. I am first. In 1983, an artist 
releases an album with the two following singles. It's the first singles off the album. Everybody released October 6, 1982 and Burning Up released March 9th, 1983. Jeff, can you name this artist? It's Madonna. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. On an album that has Holiday, Lucky Star, Star. And Borderline. <laughs> That's what they picked. Holiday is like really one of my favorite Madonna songs. And I mean, Lucky Star and Borderline, insane. That they Borderline is my favorite. I want Flannery to cover it with her little band. Borderline is so great. So oh, good. Sounds so great. So we 83, we get Madonna. 84, we get Like a Virgin. 86, we get True Blue. 89, we get Like a Prayer. 90, we get the Immaculate Collection. <laughs> Immaculate Collection is her single best-selling album. It's not, I mean, that's the greatest hits record. Um, always, always, always a bad sign, in my opinion, the mid-career greatest hits. And then when the mid-career greatest hits is like the best-selling album, that's that's super worrisome. And then it's especially worrisome. So then she, she leaves that, she basically gets a new recording deal. She creates Maverick Records and Maverick Films and Maverick Book. She's like another early, like it's actually a little bit like the Beatles and Let It Be. Like she's like her own, like a little mogul with her own company. Um, and the first thing that they release is 1992's Erotica. With the, the sex book. And the book. Yeah. Um, and it was just a total, total classic media narrative where it's like rise, 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 rise. Oh, fly too close to the sun. She just got murdered for Erotica. Like the, the reviews, obviously the reviews of the book were like <laughs> the book of the naked book, pictures. The of book was what am I supposed to say about this? Weak. Yeah. Um, and the album's not great. And so that's 92. 94, we get bedtime, bedtime stories. stories. Yeah. Her worst selling record to date, and not a good record. Like written with Babyface, just a really not a very good record. And and I mean, basically, I actually prefer Erotica. There's a couple songs on Erotica that I like. Then you get Avita in 96, and she has a child at 38, Lord, and she gets really, really into Kabbalah, like this weird Jewish sect and Eastern mysticism. She's gotten into yoga and um, has just gotten really super extra mega weird. And if you follow the arc of female artists, this is where it ends. Like, this is where she is forced off the stage. She's at 38. They're done with her now. She has been asked, not politely, to move on. To make room for Lauren Hill. In totally. Fact. And yet, our gal declines. She declines to exit stage left. She sits down again with Babyface and writes, I don't know, like 10 songs with him. And it's like, you know what? Bedtime stories sucked. These songs suck. None of them have been released. She just ash cans them. Sits down with another former writing partner. No luck. Writes another 10 songs. Has nothing going on. One of the things that's amazing and crazy about Madonna is like how much she kept her finger on the pulse of everything. She was like continuously in and out of raves and clubs in New York and clubs in London and got to know all of the DJ people. So there's this guy named William Orbit 
and he's done remixes of previous previous stuff, including a remix of Erotica. And I mean, the, the story from his point of view is hilarious. He's like, they're like, well, did you did you know Madonna before you came to work on Ray of Light? He was like, no, no, like, no. How would I know Madonna? <laughs> like, I'm like a random DJ in London, basically. Like, like I wouldn't know her. Like, uh, do I know Warren Beatty? Like, I, she's a, like one of the, I don't know, Michael Jackson. She's like one of the five biggest stars in the world. No idea. He gets a call out of the blue. Like, Hi, this is Madonna. I really like your remixes. I'm looking for a new direction. Come and write with me. He's like, wait, this is a joke, right? Nope, not a joke. They That's go amazing. In. It's, it's the longest recording of any one of her albums. It takes months, months for her to do it. And there's part of the reason why it takes months that's hilarious. Um, it's recorded in 97 and he's doing everything through this complicated computer procedure. And by the way, anybody who ever did anything, like even like statistics on a computer, I thought he said, well, I think this is hilarious. The computer just kept breaking. Like he has Madonna in the studio and, and she's like, okay, well, I'm ready to go. We got all the clips ready. He's like, I'm afraid, I'm afraid the computer's broken again. Oh, yeah. no. I've, I've brought over the IT department and hopefully by tomorrow we'll have more samples. Like, somebody, oh. tried, somebody tried to play You Don't Know Jack on it and broke the mainframe. He literally couldn't get his computer to work because <laughs> the, the music files were too big. It's cracked me up so hard. <laughs> Anyhow, they work on it for months. They, they're about halfway done. Madonna brings in her manager. Her manager listens to it, leaves the room and declines to respond, just says nothing, freaking out Madonna and Orbit. They go back in, re-record everything. When they come out, they come out with Madonna's best album, the best album of this year, one of the great artistic statements for a mainstream artist. And in particular, like I just have so much admiration for the fucking balls on this woman to do this, like to just hang in there, hang in there to just refuse to exit stage left. I don't like this record. I love this record. Orbit is primarily known as like a techno EDM type guy, but he plays all of the guitars on this record. And it is a fantastic guitar record. The first single is Frozen. And I, that's a six minute ballad. That's not really very good. So I was like, ooh, Chee Willikers when that song came out. The second single, however, the second single, Ray of Light, announced her presence with authority. Jeff, if you will start Ray of Light at minute 253 so we can get the bridge back into the chorus, so you can get the flavor for the quiet and the loud and the guitar in this song. Ray of Light by Madonna.
video is fantastic for that one. Like she's just in a plain like jean jacket and jeans with like bangles on her wrist, just looking like a hippie chick at a rave, just dancing while they do the speeded up daily activities of people. This song to me is the sound, like not that I spent a lot of time at all night raves, but like this is the sound of an all night rave just like that like a thumping beat and the super fun to it this is one of those songs it's a little bit like a great comedy movie where you're like i don't understand why every song is this this song is so freaking fantastic like how why, why can't there be more exactly like this and of course the reason why is it's a lot harder than it looks but this one just blew me away and to come as like a like a third act to her career right and to come because she insisted on it. She insisted on her own vision for it. And a, an artist who was just derided as a woman who couldn't sing, who didn't write her own stuff, who was a puppet of the record companies, who they trotted out. She chose this sound. She wrote every lyric on this. She wrote every lyric on this record, including some real hilarious honkers. But that being said, I'm there for that too. Like, I dig mysticism. I'm into it. I like yoga. Dude, the, there's a song called Ashanti, and it's got another word in it too, where it was so bad that before they put the record out, they made her go to a guy who spoke Sanskrit to teach her how to pronounce it and what the words meant. <laughs> she okay. literally just mashed a bunch of Sanskrit words together. Good call. All of that being said, I'm just like over, I was over the moon about this record. And it's really funny. It's like, obviously I don't know her. You know what I mean? But this is one of those things where I was like, I was I was legitimately happy for her. I was like, oh, I'm so happy for Madonna. You know what I mean? Like she's had such a, she's like, depending how you want to look at it. She did have a medium rough go of it. Just like she's on a third husband now. And um, just so much pressure, like the, the, like the pressure put on this woman under the circumstances and in particular to be a woman. I mean, no one's mad at Mick Jagger for being a, like a, a sexual monster, right? But I mean, as soon as it's Madonna, they're like, oh, well, that's too much for us for sure. <laughs> um, and for, for her to hang in there and then just launch into the rest of her career and the rest of her life in this fashion thrilled me. All right. Wow. I didn't, I didn't buy this album. Never heard this album. You never heard this record? No. Oh, come on. That's Why? a good record. I, come no. on. We, you don't remember in Oxford when we went to that stupid dance club and smoked a hundred cigarettes with secondhand smoke? Okay. Yeah. This was the, this was the inter, intergalactic this, and this were the two songs that closed the night that whole summer. It was fabulous. That, okay. That, that vaguely rings a bell. Ben, I, I think Ben is overpraising this record a little bit. It's funny moments. If you're really rooting for her, the funny moments are like, yeah, great. And if you're, if you love Ray of Light and a couple of other songs, and the funny moments are like, ha ha, that's pretty funny, and you skip <laughs> over them. But uh, I agree, this is her best. Uh, this is the the best song. I actually really, really love "Don't Tell Me" as well, or whatever that song's called. Stop, or I don't know what the name of it is. That song kicks ass yep. on the next record, "Music." I think right yep. is two thousand one. So she comes back hard. Yeah, oh yeah, totally. five years. Like I mean, like where I love the singles and I'm digging, I'm digging her. Uh, the the way I mean, Madonna always struck me as somebody who. Uh, was profoundly talented at um, sitting on the edge of, of what culture would accept and then winking at everybody on either side of the line. Sure. And she did it even better in her late thirties and early forties because she had more control over it. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. And, you know, she's, she's not that much older than we are. And so like, I, you know, if, 
it was, you know, she was always an age appropriate um, uh, line stepper for our generation. And so uh, I, I appreciated her efforts on my, in my, uh, <laughs> in my regard. Anyway. Yeah. I love that song. Love that song. Love that song. It just is so great. I mean, it's, it's nine 45 in the morning here. And like, that was like a, a that was like an espresso shot. I mean, it's like, <laughs> a bang. Just love it. Great pick. Good stuff. I, but I, I'm surprised, but I'm surprised, Ben. Like, I mean, Tim, like I, Ray of Light, I thought had entered into our mutual orbit that summer in, in uh, England, but maybe, I, maybe I'm huh. misremembering. I don't know. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of high alcohol content beers in England. Who knew? That is really true. I, those are not Bud Lights that we're drinking in the pub. So who knew? No, there wasn't. Happening at the end of the night. But uh, the no, guy that was a... I'm speaking with, I'm speaking with, um, Peter Raffleson on uh, Tuesday, that that Zoom meeting I told you guys about, he wrote uh, Madonna's "Open Your Heart." No way! Yeah, isn't that fun? So we can uh, we can have a little Madonna session uh, when we talk on Tuesday. So cool, very cool. All right, Jeff Simons. So I'm cheating this week, but Ben set me up so fantastically. Okay, so fantastic. This is great. Because he's 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 talked about two things that I want to talk about. Okay. The first is the importance of of the scene stir, right? Some people become famous stars, and then some people just have an eye for talent and for innovation and for the new thing that is just uh, a little bit better than everybody else's. And if they're in the right place at the right time, they become the sinister that brings people together and like, Hey, you know who you should meet is this other person. They're like the Z league of pop culture, right? They're always seem to be the greatest song about this is that unbelievable LCD sound system song about called losing my edge, right? Where he wants to be the guy who I was there, right? Some people were that, that person. Some people were the, I was their person. And they're the reason Lou Reed meets Andy Warhol, or they're the reason that William Orbit meets Madonna, right? Like they're just, they're the glue. The second thing Ben talked about is the problem of the greatest hits. The greatest hits record for people like Ben and myself, these are super frustrating records, right? Because they take the artistic statement of an album and they cherry pick from them and they reconstruct them. And the greatest hits is like a mixtape of one band. And uh, if you love the band, it's super irritating because it's the band's, it doesn't dig into the all the different myriad things that make a band great um and they tend to be songs that you've listened to so many times that they become a little threadbare um and there's this and that's you know sometimes a band deserves the greatest hits and then there's the great the best the very best of poison which is right like one song <laughs> and nine like what in hey the now. hell <laughs> so the and the greatest hits is like the usually it's the epitaph right like Ben's right. point is like you put out a greatest hits when you don't think this band has anything left in the tank, right? Like you're going to squeeze one more purchase out of the, the juice and then that's it. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's funny, like Tom Petty has a very similar nineties to Madonna. They put out Tom Petty's greatest hits in 91. It's his selling record. It has Mary Jane's last dance. And then you don't hear anything for three and a half years. And the record that comes out is wildflowers. And at that point, the Heartbreakers are no longer the Heartbreakers. There's new members, right? He's written 35 new songs. Like that could have been Tom Petty's right off into the sunset. And he yeah. constructs a new adult 
act for himself. So greatest hits, scene stirs. The greatest example for me in terms of just the joy of listening is a record that is re-released in 1988 in its definitive edition. Because the greatest hits, once you have CDs, turns into something called a box set. Remember the box sets? Sure. Which was the big four CD, like weighs a brick. And you get a box set to prove that you were a cultural landmark. And that is really supposed to be your tombstone. The first great one is Biograph. Bob Dylan gets a five album set in 83 because they're pretty sure Bob Dylan's not going to make a good record again because he's made all those weird Christian records. And they're like, (laughs) we better, you know, and it's it's one of the big, it's it's one of the best selling things. But well, by 1998, everybody who sniffed the top 10 has a box set, right? Like the best evangelists, like they're ridiculous. Like everybody, they, you know, Tommy Bolin gets a four CD box set of his session work with deep purple. Like it's, <laughs> it, it's true. so Rhino records becomes a label that leans hard into box sets. Rhino records was a novelty record label in the L in LA in the early seventies. They put out like, um, doo-wop hits from the 40s and the best of bubblegum pop from 71 and, uh, you know, comedy records, like uh, all the Dr. Demento records are on Rhino. Oh, boy. But in 1998, they put out the definitive edition of what I think is the greatest bo- the greatest collection ever assembled. So there's this guy named Lenny Kay, and he's working at a record store in the village, and I, I don't remember the name of it, um, I think it's village oldies Um, and he's just behind the counter. And so he's just, it's a place where people who love music and people who work in the industry and artists go to shop and Lenny's this funny outgoing guy. And he's just meeting, meeting, meeting people, meeting people. And because he works in a, in an old record, in a record store that sells oldies, like he's the guy who they decide is this 45 worth buying. Is it any good? And so he's listening to all these weird one hit wonder one off, 45s that come through the store through the 70s. So one of the guys he's friends with is a guy named Jack Holtzman, who has started a label called Electra Records. And Lenny is like, you know what would be really fun is to take all these great, stupid 45s from the 60s and put out a collection. You know, like we should do like a, we should save this stuff because, you know, these 45s are going to fall apart and I've got some without any clicks or pops on them and we could like transfer them and make like a record. And he's like, all right, you, you know what, Lenny, you put the whole thing together and I'll put it out. So Lenny K goes to his garage rock singles collection and he assembles a record that's called Nuggets. They put it out in 1972. And uh, it's one of the most wonderful examples of what if a guy who really knows an awful lot about a genre where nobody's made a great record, but people have made a ton of great songs and you assemble a listening experience. In 1998, Rhino Records asked Lenny to help them make a box set. And so Lenny, working with the uh, head of Rhino, created a four-CD version of Nuggets. And it's, uh, it's 70 songs, and it's you know four hours long. You would never listen to it ever, ever, ever in one sitting. But if you pull any Unless these- you're friends with Jeff. Unless you're friends with Jeff, and he makes you. And he's no. like, you know what you need to do? You need to listen to this Nuggets box set, which I did, which anyway, I did. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick 30 seconds of just four 
great songs from Nuggets. All right. And you get a sense of what it's like. And these are not bands you'll ever, ever heard of. You might recognize a few of these songs if you're a music nerd, but you'll hear what I mean. Like it's just one great two and a half minute blast of rock and roll after another. And you don't have to sit through any of these bands really bad material. These are not great bands. These are like dudes in a garage. That's why it's called garage rock. And they get, some of them make only a single, some of them make a record and the record is not good, but they all had a great song in them. And what Lenny K did was, was collect them all and find them all. So my pick for 1998 is music released 30 years before that. All right. Uh, But this is the greatest box set uh, uh, that isn't an individual artist like James Brown's star time is better. Right. But in terms of like a box set of multiple artists and there are thousands this of them. over the stacks collection. I just yes. really disagree. Yes. The stacks collection is the best. Oh, all right. Maybe, but this is also really, really good. And here we go. So Let's I'll tell go. you what the songs are after, but here's a little smattering from the nuggets box. Set. Nuggets, original artifacts from the first psychedelic era. Lies, lies, you're telling me that you'll be true. Lies, lies, that's all I ever get from you. Tears, tears, I shed a million tears for you. I love you so 
Anybody right. know who that is playing guitar on that last track? Who? It's Ted Nugent. It's the <laughs> Nuge. That's his first band, the Amboy Dukes, when he was a kid in Detroit. Now, does Van cover that? Uh, I believe the Amboy Dukes cover Van covering that. All right, that's Van. Yeah. Okay. So the first It's song... actually them. It's the Van before he's Van Morrison. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I, I always thought the first song was the Beatles. <laughs> Whoops. Who was that? So that's the thing, right? Like, you know, there's that moment after the Ed Sullivan show where like five million kids in America want to be the Beatles. And right. some of them bought guitars and some of them learned how to play enough chords. And, you know, guys like the Knickerbockers wrote, wrote one killer Beatles rip. Right. Yeah. And the Nationals write this killer kinks rip off. And the, um, but there's something a little different. Right. There's like yeah. a, there's that little extra kind of American aggressive energy in there. And there's like just the exuberance of imitation and, and just discovery of like, Oh my God, we don't sound terrible that I feel like informs like any like dirty waters on here. Nighttime. Uh, oh yeah. By the shadows of night, pushing too hard, burying the remains psychotic reaction by the count five sugar and spice. If you ever been to a rock and roll show and stayed for the encore, you've heard half of these songs because the band came out and did this did one of these because it was secretly their favorite little song okay you know so, so the, uh, little steven has like a radio show or something yeah so the under i'm so glad you said that i would argue that rather than sit through little steven's radio program where he plays uh, one song and then he talks for nine minutes before he plays the next song okay. this is that radio station okay without all of little steven's like you know i remember back when i was at the cafe one greenwich village and uh Kim Fowley came in. <laughs> Sometimes like you were juggling. And then I, I mean, if, you, if, if you're in it for that, that's great. But if you like turn on that station because you want to hear some music, you could just cue this up. Okay. And you would have the same experience. <laughs> but yeah. That's a pretty good impression. <laughs> ben, any thoughts? Yeah, I was trying to think about this. I have listened through this entire thing at Jeff's behest. Um, I just like, I just don't like this genre. It turns out like, I don't like garage rock. I was I, like, I was, I was actually reflecting like, this is my problem with the early um, Velvet Underground records, like sloppy dudes who can't play just bug me. Um, and also one other thing that's really hard is that the span of this is 65 to 68, right? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, 67, Sgt. Peppers comes out. Like there's well, right. no reason for this to sound like this. Like it just sounds like- Sure um, it is, because they've got two hours of studio time and the guy recording them, yeah. the studio's like, in go. their basement. Like, sure, yeah. sure. I totally understand that. And I understand that that's why the the early Joplin piano songs sound the way they do because they recorded in 1938. Like I get it. I just don't have to like it. Like, <laughs> it's so, so, so old sounding. It's just- Really, really, really. And it's in the, the thing that, that I guess that bugs me about it is like Chuck Berry is kind of old sounding, but I mean, that's another 15 years before this. They, they, their contemporaries are creating music that sounds amazing. No, no, and no. So, They're, so a few of their contemporaries are saying, like, are you experienced as a shitty sounding record in terms of the bass and the drums? Like, Hendrix sounds amazing, but. You look, go back and listen to Are You Experienced. Sound, the drums sound like they're tin cans turned upside down. Like, yeah, Sergeant Pepper sound sounds like this, amazing. Though. That's the one. Like, I'm sorry. Have you listened? No, no, to, no, no. Uh, hold wait, on. wait. The stones between the buttons. Go listen to that. It sounds uh -oh. like uh -oh. shit. That sounds terrible. We're not there yet. That's way too but it's also early the to playing. make that criticism. It's also the playing. These guys can't play. 
and Hendricks could play. Like that's a big difference. I think these guys sound, I think they could play just fine enough for two minutes. Like that guitar player <laughs> on I Need You is killing it. And if you had to do anything else, he would definitely fall down a flight of stairs. But he's right. got just enough to hang in there through the whole two minutes and 25 seconds. And then the last thing I'll add is 18 songs on the Poison Greatest Hits. <laughs> including one cover. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. It's what? a Loggins and Messina song. Oh my God. Let's go. Let's Your go. mama don't dance. Yeah. Original version by Loggins and Messina. That but it does the... include nothing but a good time on Skinny Bob and Every Rose Has Its Thorn. So there's three, count them, three good songs on The Boys of the Greatest Hits. Wow. It's outstanding. Does oh Motley Crue have a greatest hits? Oh, Timmy, don't even start me on Motley Crue. There's way more than three good songs. Timmy, take us out. Let's go to 1998. Um, I never uh, thinks about that year. Did the music come out that year? It was a good year. It was a good year. <laughs> I don't know if I can do this uh, because it's not a greatest hits. It's a live album and we allow that, right? Um, let's go across the wire with Counting Crows. Angels of the Silences. Pick either one, the, the MTV or the VH1, Jeff. Across a Wire, live in New York City by Counting Crows. Well, I guess you left me with some feathers in my hand. I tell you, I, when I was 19 years old, uh, I was running with J-Bo every day. I was lifting every other day with J-Bo. We were playing hoops all the time. I was in the best physical shape of my life. And in 1998, when Jeff and I were taking that James Joyce Ulysses course, getting our butts kicked, I think that was the smartest I've ever been. That summer at Oxford, writing papers, listening to that album, um, I, I've never been that smart. I totally agree. I'm so much dumber yeah. than I was. That's like that. Yeah. I was working. I was using every brain cell I had to, My to brain keep hope alive. Hurt. Yeah. Like, ow. But you listen to that song every day. Like I, <laughs> if you had picked anything else, I was going to call you a liar. That is your record of the year. I mean, you just loved, 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 loved that. And love. I loved listening to you listen to it because yeah. I could hear it come on and I would peek into your room and you'd be like, Psyching yourself up to like write the next Gotta write a paper. Let's go. Let's go. No, and I think I've made this point before, but I mean, the live record is frequently the hipster's greatest hits record. Like, yes, if, totally. Like, you you could you could be like, oh, I, I would never get a Chronicles greatest hits record. That's not for me. <laughs> the live record, however, Hello. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. As you uh, say, Ben, when in doubt, try the live version. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've been to several Counting Crows concerts where the friend I'm with is completely irritated because Adam Duritz won't sing the melody. You ever, I mean, I, I assume you've had that experience. Like, uh -huh. 
He tries to reinvent the melody every time time, they sing the song. And I'm all for it. I'm like, dude, great. New guitar solo. I know how the old one went. And I watched the whole audience try to sing along to Mr. Jones and he won't sing the lyric and the (laughs) melody. And they're all just like, yeah, I kind (laughs) of don't want him to do that. You know, it just cracks me up. Hey, uh, my advisee, Ian, was really, really upset. He doesn't listen to our podcast, but he looks at our picks. Um, And he was mad at all three of us that we didn't pick recovering the satellites so, so we, we've got him back we've got us back here and he's got it. more good news in the future all right oh hey, how about man. that recovering the satellites is one of my all-time favorite albums ian we talked about him last season so great yep. so great. but uh i mean it's just yes phenomenal all right phenomenal. speaking of advisees i gotta go take waller to get his hair cut i gotta go take b to softball Let's go. Ben, where do you Ben's got to go home to the dog? No, no. I got to go play Red Dead Redemption 2. I finally bought an Xbox. You did? So, yes, oh it's Red Dead you time. You really did it. I can't believe you did it. No, went away for a week, and I went ahead and bought a gaming console and a game, and I'm not watching TV with her anymore. She's going to watch me kill people in the Old West. <laughs> I cannot wait for the that's, first week update. That's what you're going to do after school. You're going to get Oh, I have there. the first week update. Here's some, here's some news for you. First of all, I don't like getting eaten by wolves. Suboptimal. No, that's bad. Like, no. You're just riding along and then you get eaten by wolves. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> oh my God, right, that is hilarious. Uh, so 186 hours from now, when we do this again, Ben's going to just be a sunken-eyed golem <laughs> oh, monster. Yeah, no, for His sure. hands twitching in front of him with the carpal <laughs> tunnel. He'll be playing as he does the podcast. That's, that's by the way, look, so as somebody who taught high school Zoom classes, like, I can see you playing your video game when you're pretending to be in class. Like it, it flickers. Like I was teaching a class and this kid's in a gaming chair, like flinching and like, and you're like, like I'm like, and he, like you could see like all of the pixels are, like bouncing <laughs> off his stupid face. I was just like, dude, I see you. I can see into you. So funny. That's awesome. All right, guys, you have a great Saturday. You too. Later on, friends. Thanks, that was guys. awesome. Bye. Take care, guys. Bye. Hey, if you're having as much fun as we are, leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a rating on Spotify, iHeartRadio. Wherever you listen to podcasts, give us a shout. And then check us out on Twitter or at our Facebook page, 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that the No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Trick out.